This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Off the top of this hour, though, it seems the PC leadership race has its third entry. We've got, obviously, Jason Kenney so far, who has now officially resigned as an MP to focus on the campaign, which, by the way, gets underway for real on Saturday. Donna Kennedy-Glanz, former MLA and cabinet minister, has announced that she's going to run. We're expecting Sandra Jansen to to announce that she's going to run Calgary MLA, who's apparently recruited strategist Stephen Carter to work on her campaign, although she hasn't made an announcement yet. Uh, But today, Calgary lawyer Byron Nelson made his announcement that he is going to seek the PC leadership race. So let's find out a bit more about who Byron Nelson is and why he's running as he joins us on the phone here this afternoon. Mr. Nelson, great to have you with us. Welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks a lot. Great to be here. All right. Well, tell us a bit more about yourself, uh, your, your involvement in the PC party, and why, why you want to lead it. Yeah, well, that's a, a two-part question. I suppose uh, so. Listen to you introduce that as to who I am. You mentioned I'm a Calgary lawyer. Um, I run a law firm, so that's a small business, and I'm a, a father of two kids, and I'm a fifth-generation Albertan and a 25-year member of the PC party, so I've been involved in the party a, a long time, and through some, it's fair to say, ups and downs, um, some real highs and some lows through that time. Uh, so that's me. That's my involvement in the party. I've always been a volunteer. I've never been in a paid position or anything like that, and I've enjoyed my time. And we've reached a time in our party first, in our province, perhaps more importantly, that I view as pretty crucial. You know, I've been able to be raised in Alberta under a some pretty good governments generally, and we've lived in a pretty good place. And I think, you know, as a person that lives in Alberta, but also as someone that runs a business, it's it's tough times right now. You're getting it from everywhere. We're all getting it from everywhere. And I don't want to answer too long, but the direction that we go next, both as a party and a province, is pretty darn important. Well, the challenge, though, of coming in then as as uh, an outsider, a relative unknown, I mean, you don't have the, the profile that, that MLAs or former MPs or former cabinet ministers have. So how much of a challenge is this for you now then? Well, a two-part answer. You know, first of all, we were sent a heck of a message, you know, over a year ago. And I got that message. And one of the messages we got was that we need a fresh approach. And as far as I know, there's only one way to get a fresh approach, and that's to bring someone fresh in. Um, but to answer your specific question about name recognition, I've been a member of the federal parties and the provincial conservative party for 25 years. I've been through a lot of leadership uh, campaigns on both ends of that. And that's always a question that candidates have. There's lots of what we now consider great leaders who at the time they entered a leadership race were considered you know, outsiders or had less name recognition because they weren't the leaders of the past. They became the leaders of the future. Um, The one benefit and one reason I'm willing to get in this race is because it's it's a delegate process. We've returned back to the delegate selection process, and that favors someone, I believe, like myself, that's been a longtime member of the party. Obviously, 25 years of volunteering on a lot of races and a lot of times and going to a lot of events, uh, you know, in the between years, between election years as well as the election years means I've made a lot of friends and made a lot of contacts within the party, and it's the party members that select this in a delegate process. So I think it favors someone with a long-term association with the party. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, look, in Jason Kenney, we have someone who doesn't really have a long history with the party, but he's been a federal MP for a long time. He's made it pretty clear that, that he wants to uh, try to, to merge the, the PCs and the Wild Rose. He has very much a, a Unite the Right vision. 
Uh, Donna Kennedy Glanz came on this program and, and articulated something very diff- different, saying that, you know, the PCs need to try to, to win the middle, forget about uniting with the right. So where do you stand on that question? Yeah, well, I stand differently than both of them, and I have a great deal of respect uh, for both of them. Um, it'd be my intention as leader of this party to lead the Progressive Conservative Party into the next election. Um, you know, I think two people that I respect. I don't think we need to unite the centre, and I don't think we need to engage in yet another leader-driven, top-down attempt to merge Conservative parties. We've seen that fail provincially. We've seen that fail federally. It, you know, failed with Danielle Smith and Jim Prentice doing the doing the uh, floor crossing. And believe me, as a candidate in the last election, we heard it loud and clear that Albertans didn't appreciate that. So, I mean, if there's going to be discussion, and my intention would be to lead the PC party into the next election, but if there's going to be a discussion, it's going to be not the proposal to do a top-down leader-driven version. It's going to be regular members, like until today I was, regular members of the party talking about this. That's how it finally got done federally. Um, and, and that's important because it had failed federally in a top-down, leader-driven process before. But we have to remember in this process, we're not ever again going to fight the 2015 election. We're fighting the 2019 election. So we have to focus on that, not look backwards. And I know a lot of people are suffering, and I, uh, you know, I have a lot of friends that are pretty unhappy about this and say, well, if we could just have a do-over, maybe we should unite the right back in 2015. I don't agree that's what happened. The vote, the votes that I heard, the voters that I heard from, were either anti-PC or pro-PC. And I believe the anti-PC vote split between the Wild Rose and the NDP. It certainly did when I was, and I talked to people every day of that campaign. But going forward, you know, I don't believe that uniting the right is going to be a crucial factor in 2019 because I think now we know who Rachel Motley is in the NDP. Well, I, I I wouldn't disagree with that. I do think, you know, the last election, any election to, to a certain extent, a large extent even, is going to be a referendum on the incumbent. And that was the case in 2015. And it's obviously going to be a different incumbent in, in 2019. But, you know, when, when you make the point about the federal scene, I think the argument's been made that uniting the right was hugely successful federally. It, it ended uh, the liberal dynasty. It brought 10 years of, of conservative rule. Do you think uh, Alberta is just a, a different kind of political situation? It is. And it's not that I'm against talking, of course I do, uh, talk with Wild Rose members, you know, I think the people unite under ideas, they don't unite under labels, and that's how the Progressive Conservative Party first got elected. But when you talk about uniting the right federally, we didn't change things here in Alberta. We weren't electing liberals by and large in Alberta before we united the party federally. We united the party federally because when, you know, Ontario and to a lesser degree Quebec were splitting the vote, there's no question. I think historically that's what happened. Alberta, to answer your question, is is different. And as Danielle Smith said, an uh, old friend of mine, Danielle Smith, when she first ran for the leadership of the Wild Rose, said there is lots of right-wing votes in Alberta. And when there's not a protest vote, which, you know, unfortunately I believe 2015 was, sending a message to us PCs, when there's not a protest vote, there's lots of votes. And I think we're governed well when we have a governing and an opposition party that are conservatives. But that doesn't mean I don't want to talk to people. I think we need to share ideas. We need to go back to the roots of our party, which was earning people's trust and building our party community by community. Where did it go so wrong for the PC party then? Well, you brought me on the radio to to answer that question. Um, You know, I think we got away from two things. We got away, first of all, 
from the roots of the party and how I said that we ran the party. That's something we've been addressing from 2015. But back at the inception of our party, and I really mean the inception of the government, we were an inclusive party that listened to people, that talked to each other, that, as I said, built ourselves up community by community, and who were open to all conversations. So that's one half of that, I believe. The other half, and I'm sure you talk about this probably a lot more than anybody else, we got away from the fiscal management principles that were the hallmark of the Ralph Klein era. That's, I joined just before Ralph Klein was leader. I was in the front lines of that fight. I was a student at the University of Calgary at the time. But I was there. Those moments are seared into my brain. And, of course, we got away from them. Um, I think both, all told, and you know, some length of time in office, caused the very strong message of voters sent us. There was an, an interesting comment you made today. I know there, I mean, obviously, there's going to be a lot of policy discussion in in this uh, election or this this leadership race, rather. But uh, the, the the question was put to you today about the carbon tax, and I know, look, Jason Kenney has made it very clear he would scrap the the NDP carbon tax altogether, but hasn't really articulated what his approach would be when it comes to to addressing emissions. So you made the point today that that a carbon tax in theory is not a bad idea. Elaborate on that. Yeah, I just, I see that that's, first of all, the way Canada's going, the way the provinces are going, and it's what's expected of us. And I think in theory it's a good idea because I've talked to lots of people, for instance, in the energy sector. And what they say is that we understand that as an exporter of conventional energy, you know, we have to please our clients. Right? We have to show people, I mean, we have, I would argue, been doing a lot to curb emissions over the years, but we perhaps haven't been seen to be doing much. And how we're seen doing much is that, you know, jurisdictions like British Columbia and more and more jurisdictions have a carbon tax that's out front. Um, I'm okay with that as long as it is revenue neutral, penny for penny to the payer, meaning you and me or companies, like where I had my launch today was a Green Gate Garden Center down on McLeod Trail. I mean, they're getting, it's going to be a pretty painful process when the carbon tax is just a tax. But I'm okay if we're going to keep the, the tax level equal for all of us, but call a portion of that a carbon tax. I think it's the way the world's going. I mean, we have to be seen to be doing our share, but we have to be seen because our customers of what we export, and I'm talking about conventional energy, they want to see us doing that. So I think that's fine, but it has to be not revenue neutral to the government, revenue neutral to the rest of us who are paying that levy. Right, and, and I think this is an important point because, look, the NDP have a lot of ideas. Most of them, I, I think, are bad ideas, but they're, they're, they're implementing those ideas. So it's, it's one thing to say, look, that idea is bad, that idea is bad. It is going to be a real challenge, though, going into 2019 for the other parties then to, to not just criticize what the government's doing, but, but articulate their own unique vision. How important is that, do you think? I think that articulating a vision is going to be huge. I don't think it's a matter of, of walking into 2019 and just saying NDP bad. I right. mean, certainly people believe that. Uh, I was talking today earlier about a poll that was in the media last week that showed Rachel Notley at a 31% approval rating in Alberta, but more importantly at a 61, excuse me, 62% disapproval rating in Alberta, which, and I know from listening to your intro, you were just talking about the U.S. debate, the 62% disapproval rating in Alberta is five points higher than the last rates I've, the last ratings I've seen of Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. I mean, it's bad, but it's not enough in any sense 
to me to just say NDP bad, Rich Notley bad. We have to have an alternate vision. And I, you know, I listened to, to your your news intro before I before I came on your show and and made reference to the fact that I think we have to have a vision that's effectively a mission statement for Alberta, and that is recreating Alberta as the land of opportunity. It's a very general statement, and I'm going to have lots of policy announcements that follow, but realizing that that's why people have come to Alberta. You know, Dave, I'm sure that's why your family came. That's why my family came, because they didn't come here for great weather, or my family's case, because the sod houses were so comfortable. We came because we thought we could do better, and our families could do better in Alberta. And you asked me where to go wrong. Well, that went wrong. And and admittedly, that went wrong before May 5th, 2015, the date of the last election. It had been going wrong for a while. But if we use that vision to create or recreate Alberta as a land of opportunity, restore our potential, then I think as a mission statement, a vision, you're using the word vision as well, that guides all provincial policies, everything the province does, when you get to the specific policies, I think it's crucial. It's crucial to present that vision, and that's one of my issues because, you know, this race will conclude in March 2017. I don't think we can afford to spend a year or two trying to force parties together, the members of which may or may not want to merge, and it may end up, you know, being a futile process before the next election. I think we got to start the next day presenting that vision to Albertans, and as I said earlier, you know, building our support community by community and idea by idea. Well, as you say, it's a, it's a long leadership race. It kicks off officially on on Saturday, right? So, do do, yeah. you, do you hit the ground running? How do you how do you manage a, a long campaign like that? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I guess it breaks up into a few different phases naturally. You know, we have, as you said, the the kickoff on October 1st. We then have the policy conference and, as far as I'm aware, the first debate between candidates in early November. And that's when the campaign opening period will start. We have to all have our our, uh, money in and our signatures in and our papers filed by early November. Then you enter a phase of delegate selection meetings, which are going to be fairly important. Obviously, the selection of delegates is going to be a huge, huge part of this process. Then that ends in about uh, mid-February, and then, you know, I think as we go towards the March, there are a number of automatic delegates, which some people call superdelegates because they're more familiar with the the Sanders-Clinton primaries that just went on. But, you know, that's a separate phase of which I'll be contacting, again, every automatic delegate we have and going into that. So it does fortunately break itself up nicely. You know, you have to do different things in every phase, but, you know, it'll be a long road. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to whichever candidates there are, I think we all want the same thing. We all want a better Alberta. Uh, there's no question. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. And I like I like meeting with uh, Albertans anyway, so it gives me a great opportunity to do that. All right. Uh, Byron, do you got, you got a website uh, up yet? Anything you want to uh, let people know? They can get in touch uh, with you? Ask uh, www.byron4alberta.ca. All right. Simple enough. Byron, thanks for your time here this afternoon. I'm sure we'll Appreciate talk again. You. Take care. All right. All right there you go. Byron Nelson, uh, the third candidate in the running for the PC leadership race. So you've got Jason Kenney, Donna Kennedy-Glanz, Byron Nelson, presumably Sandra Jansen, um, maybe more. We'll see. So it is shaping up to be uh, an interesting race. It's it's a long race, obviously, as he says. Uh, by the way, Byron Nelson did run in the last election uh, as a PC candidate. He was defeated by Deborah Drever. You might have heard of her. Uh, so he, he has run. He has put his name forward before, but obviously comes in with much less profile than some of the other candidates. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be an uphill battle for him, but at the same time, maybe PC members are going to be looking for 
that kind of a candidate. Right? I think, you know, I think Jason Kenney, the strong candidate, but obviously there are people in the PC party who weren't crazy about him. Uh, and Sandra Jansen and Donna Kennedy Glanz, I, I think, are both well known, but maybe both have their own baggage, their own ties to to the past. So maybe there's an opening for someone like that. I guess we'll have to wait and see. 403-974-8255 is a number. We'll take a quick break here. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.